in some ways as patience, in some ways it's kind of seeing the bigger picture, but it's that appreciation, I think, of, okay, well, what are you actually trying to do? What is the purpose to something like mindfulness? Let's keep yourself still. So in those moments, you can you can bring a lot more clarity to a situation. And if you link that across the performance, it's, okay, in those, in our case, 82-odd thousand people that are standing around you in that one situation, that one decision, okay, you won't refer and you won't be still as such, but you'll have the appreciation, you'll have the power. Hello and welcome to the Off-Field Rugby Pod. I'm your host, Brian Moylette. I'm a former Irish age grade international player, now playing in Vancouver and coaching collegiate rugby. Each week, I chat with somebody involved at the top end of the game to hear about their journey, get their insights and learn about how they do what they do. On Instagram, I'm the Off-Field Rugby Coach. That's at Off-Field Rugby. Please follow me there. I share content around mental skills and performance and also clips from the pod. Please subscribe to the pod wherever you're listening if you haven't already. And if you're on Apple Podcasts, please leave a rating and a review. And in the review, let me know what you like about the podcast. Would love to hear your thoughts. Lastly, please share the pod with some friends. Those different things help people find the pod and are really, really appreciated. Today I'm chatting with Johnny Cooper who plays Gaelic football with the Dublin footballers and works as a leadership consultant as well. Johnny is also one of the most decorated players in the game having won seven senior All-Ireland titles so far. For those of you outside of Ireland, Gaelic football is the biggest sport in the country and big games fill Crow Park which holds 82,000 people. The sport is somewhat like Aussie rules and there's a lot of transferable skills to rugby. A lot of the Irish rugby team would have played Gaelic growing up and most of them would have played up until they got to the age where they had to decide which sport to pursue fully. Myself and Johnny chat about mindset, mindfulness, the importance of knowing your why, the importance of good feedback, what culture is, how to connect with people, your teammates, how to understand your teammates at a deeper level, how a leader empowers their players and Johnny talks about what has helped him stay at the top for so long. The Dublin football squad is constantly changing with new players being brought in and senior players stepping away after they've won say two, three, four All-Ireland titles but Johnny has just kept going and seems to be getting better at age so we talk about motivation and how he has managed to just yeah stay at the top and keep going after success and success and he gives some brilliant insights here so a quick mention from our sponsor and then it's episode number 31 with johnny cooper a lot of people stress about money where should you be investing are you prepared if there's a crash and loads more and if you're not an expert finances can be really daunting i know the people at sparks wealth and they're brilliant What they do is they educate you on your finances without any jargon. They create a personalized plan for you and manage your money so that it's working for you and so that you don't need to be worrying about it. You can book a free, no obligation Zoom call now on their website, sparkswealth.ie. So when did you first kind of become interested in leadership? First thing that jumps to mind was uh, a fail competition, which in Gaelic football or hurling is kind of the under-14s equivalent to a, a national competition, if you like. Um, and we were preparing for, say preparing for 13 or 14, but getting ready to play in that competition. And I remember, funny enough, the manager we had at the time was a guy called Neil O'Callaghan, and he's actually the current senior hurling manager. But anyway, long story short, I said, listen, I remember the General S. Patton uh, was a, an army uh, general, U.S. Army general, I think, at the time. I came across some some speech that he had uh, given to his troops at one, once upon a time. And I said to him, said to the manager at the time, it's okay if I print out 30 of these and just stick them in an envelope and throw them in the lads' bags. And sure, I was probably 13 or close to 14, maybe. He thought I was a bit uh, a bit mad putting out uh, these motivational speeches in the That's lads' nice. bags. But yeah. Uh, but I, I did that, so it uh, probably made no difference. But uh, that was my earliest kind of memory around like leadership and 
and what it was. I remember researching people like him at the time, you know. Class. And I saw you captain Dublin 21. So, like, were you a captain of teams throughout, say, 15, 16, 18? Yeah, um, yeah, a couple of times on the school teams, hurling football mainly. Um, played a little bit of basketball and things, but wasn't obviously too good in that those sports. And then around the club, yeah, same equivalent growing up, and then on the county teams, lucky enough, um, yeah, something similar all the way through. Yeah, and with the motivational speech there, I think that's what we see a lot of like leadership when we're like younger. I certainly did as well. Like you look at people giving these rousing speeches and you kind of think like that's what it is but mm. um i suppose then have you realized kind of in the last few years like with the be unrivaled and that the kind of other aspects to leadership besides the person who gives that rousing speech you know a minute before going out onto the field or on the field and you know the kind of other aspects of it yeah i think it's probably and, and you'll know this as well probably gone away i hope it has gone away from the banging the table and the sort of the motivational aspect is obviously a portion of it, but influence maybe is a better way to put it. And it's your your everyday behaviors, your language, your body language, your you know your your impact on the subconscious mind is probably a lot more has a lot more longevity than the inspirational, motivational two or three minutes. Albeit there is a point in time I think where sometimes that can be useful for certain contexts and so on. So yeah, you see a lot of it's obviously so nuanced now, and there's so many layers to it, and does. A ton of leadership um, development programs and courses and executive coaching, performance coaching, which is great because I think you know one stroke will suit all at the same time as well. So equally, the the guy or girl that's you know finds themselves a little bit more connected with the, the kind of hierarchical kind of that way of leading at times can be quite successful as well. So um, I think there's a, a blend to it all, isn't there? In terms of the approach you take, the context, the person that's in front of the group that's in front of you, the target, the goal, etc. So all context depending and then from that you then go in okay it's that stroke or it's that one piece of color that needs to be on this you know on this on this picture at this given time so really interesting i think i think it's a long way to go to be fair i think it's it's really grown and developed certainly but at the same time um probably come on leaps and bounds in a short enough period of time in my mind so i think the future the next couple of years particularly in the context of all in the moment i think has a some, somewhat of an exponential kind of burst over over the, the top of the, the surface of the glass in some ways yeah for sure and like you mentioned there the banging the tables beforehand and some people might still be kind of in dressing rooms where there's a lot of that happening but have you seen like big differences from when you started out say or even under 21 say 10 years ago at a kind of started at a high level i suppose to today the kind of dressing rooms that lead up to games and those kind of environments yeah, you definitely see differences. Whether it's been a went in my time so far, it's gone from the bang of the table to the, the polar opposite. I, I it probably hasn't for me in terms of my experience. Lucky enough to have uh, Jim Gavin as a leader since I was eighteen, so I kind of spent eleven, twelve years with him. So he was never in that kind of sphere of of motivation and influence. Um, and, and now certainly with club or with school or different elements, you do have that type of character. But thankfully, in lots of ways, in my mind anyway, it hasn't been a consistent sort of, um, certainly at the earlier stage, hasn't been, it wasn't consistent in terms of um, seeing that a lot. But I think coaching, leadership, um, performance, mindset, that type of space has certainly come on leaps and bounds regards how it all applies to the individual. You obviously, a lot, obviously see a lot of mindset and mindfulness and, and presence and controlling momentum and all these really powerful things that, I noticed reference the whole time if you go to the gym you see yourself getting bigger faster stronger whereas obviously in the in the mindset side of things it takes a little bit longer at times to sort of see that change happen but maybe a lot more deeply rooted with regards how it can be really impactful at that clutch moment um you know it doesn't have to be sports it can be any type of performance that you're involved with yeah it's such an interesting point you make there about um the mindfulness and that kind of side of things takes longer to see the results and i think a lot of people fall down with that it's that you know probably you know i'm 32 now it's probably somewhat my generation particularly for maybe the people that are a little bit behind me that's you know expectation around want some wanting something now you know you flick on your phone you have your your amazon you have your social media you have your links to your mates and your friends and your social connectivity 
and it's that in some ways it's patience in some ways it's kind of seeing the bigger picture but it's that appreciation i think of okay well what are you actually trying to do what is the purpose to something like mindfulness but keep yourself still so in those moments you can you can bring a lot more clarity to a situation and if you link that across the performance it's okay in those in our case 82 odd thousand people that are standing around you in that one situation that one decision okay you won't refer and you won't be still as such but you'll have the appreciation you'll have the power um of what you've been through if you like in terms of the whole training aspects and what goes into say mindfulness or mindset as an example so it's trying to link it back for people and i think it's important as well to mention there briefly was sports maybe some of this particular angle but this can equally apply if you're at home with two or three kids or if you're in work and you're on that career trajectory or you know what you're in a little bit of a lull you don't know whether to go to career you don't know where to go to traveling there's different appreciations and i guess lenses that it can apply to in any context uh, give or take you know yeah and what kind of practices would you have outside of like monday to friday outside of your training to help you become more mindful i think what well, definitely kind of and this can be this for me has a different kind of an ebbs and flows at times. So for example, when it's in the tick of a season for me, there's different, what would I say, I guess focuses at times, whereas earlier part of the season, which is where we are now, I've had the press. So I get up every morning, do my stretch and, you know, sometimes it's yoga. Sometimes I'll sit there in terms of, you know, maybe it's a deep stretch. Other times I'll be following along, watching somebody do a mobility exercise. But it's a period of time, irrespective that you find yourself for 10, 15, 20 minutes, you're getting up in the morning you're getting into your day in terms of your controlling. I think that's the important thing. You're controlling how you want to, I guess, attack your day, how you want to approach mm-hmm. your day. So for me, it's that. Um, get up before work in the morning. Sometimes I might go to the pool quite local to me. Some might go to the pool, etc. And at times, you're trying to find those spaces for me. And I'm trying to find a space where you can't easily have my phone here beside me, easily pick up the phone and easily go to a mail or a LinkedIn or a social media account or whatever it may be. So I was trying to... I guess separate yourself you know that's probably not the right, right way to kind of say it, separate yourself from that kind of that kind of itch and urge to to go back into that uh, uh space so yeah that's yeah. what it looks like for me starting the day in that regard yeah it's so important starting your day isn't it it's mad like i found that as well if you say oh, i'm going to stretch today but if you don't if you don't get it done like after work things don't happen or later in the day, I just find they get away from you, be it like, oh, I'll work out this afternoon after work, or I'll stretch, or I'll do this or that. But when you start off your morning, like you say, like the old cliche, win the morning, win the day, but it is huge. No, definitely. And some people, it might be, it's out for fresh air. Some people, it's a run. Some people, it's yeah. a bit of stretching. Some people, it's podcasts in the air, strolling around the, the house or the bit of space yeah. you might have, or whatever it may be. But I think that's the important point is finding finding and then controlling what works for you like often and you hear a lot of it now this time of year like um new year's resolutions everybody having you know certain periods in the gym staying off alcohol that type of thing but then inevitably that sort of peters off or people lose that bit of connectivity to it and i think if you look at the the water around some people jump straight down going to the gym every morning but if you look at the why to it, why are you doing that okay starting your day or having those practices or going to the exercise etc the why is, you know, you're, you're fitter and you're health, healthier. The why is it gives you clarity on your day. The why is it's linked to that performance. So trying to dig deeper away from the what, as important as the what is, and going into that why I found, not only myself as an athlete, but found working with athletes and working with people in different performance sectors, that that is, I think, where the magic is or the magic lies at times can be a little bit harder in, in my um, experiences to kind of unearth or really spend time harvesting but the extra time harvesting might take two or three months but then it gives you that kind of foundational stone that when you go to push off there's a really solid base of support and ground there to kind of hit the targets and hit those targets on a sustainable basis yeah it mentioning there knowing your why that's so crucial isn't it for kind of all aspects be it like you say professional sporting anything because like you're going to hit those hard times isn't it yeah just so important like taking time to know that why definitely and for people it's you know for athletes it's potentially a um, an outcome based kind of why or maybe you're looking to achieve a, a goal in that regards for other people it's very much community based or it's family based and there's a lot of appreciation that they want to give back or repay or whatever it may be 
in other cases, the why is I want to prove people wrong or I want to mm. reach the highest possible level in my context. So, and some, in some cases, it's a mix of all of the above and the why or the purpose or the deeply rooted is that kind of anchor when you throw it off the middle of the ocean, you throw it down. It's the one that keeps you, when the storm comes or when the waves start to get a bit choppy, it keeps you roughly in the space that you need to be so you can operate do what you need to do on the boat if you like and with the sails and the engine and the steering and and that whole thing yeah and you've had like just absolutely unprecedented success for like seven all irelands and i'm sure when you're a young lad you probably dreamt of winning one but how do you year on year like change your why like was your why at the start to win in all ireland it's a really good question i think for me personally it's changed each year at the end of each year you do kind of a, a deep dive or reflection of well you know what i think what you articulated there was probably true enough i want to kind of come out the other side with with success whereas now it's the polar opposite it's for me it's the impact and influence you can have on younger people and community and, and that that space and and there's a, there's a heavy appreciation in my particular i guess um headspace at the moment to I guess there's not too many years left for me, so to try and leave that in you know really impactful way, as opposed to albeit the success part, the outcome part is is a nice. It's probably the it's probably the kind of the flashy and the shiny thing, which which at times you know can draw your attention towards, but that's probably a lot more short lived because you've missed in all the process and all the clues and all the you know every time you go through a win or go through a loss or every time you have a training session or a conversation with a coach all the magic that comes with that. So trying to collect all of that, for me anyway, trying to collect all of that the last number of years and really store that to, as I said a moment ago, that you have a really found, strong foundational collection of thoughts, of experiences, of appreciations, as opposed to, you know, I want to look at that piece of silver, a piece of um, trophy, whatever it might be. Because inevitably, I guess, the, the process and the equation tends to look after itself to some degree, give or take, um, with a bit of luck. So trying to pack as you're talking, ask the question, trying to pack one side of the equation with a really robust set of structures and substances that the other side of the equation just is what it is to a certain extent, or whatever that may be, that might be good enough to win, and so be it at the end of the day. Yeah, and it's something that I'm, I've only learned really in the last few years, and I think your team could have had a huge influence on it, but the not looking and focusing on the success, on the the trophy at the end more so that that's a kind of a byproduct of what you're doing every day what you're doing every week and along the whole way would that be fair that i think so and i think if you take the example you just mentioned but take lots of other experiences i've had work with um, teams and organizations and so on and obviously there's a reference here to the bottom line or whatever it is in the context of the world or the arena that somebody or a team is operating in but then if you step back from that and really zoom out of the situation where you're saying okay but you want to have a better quarter two than quarter one what does that mean does that mean your conversations with your clients have to be a little bit more thoughtful a little bit more um open towards their goals and, and providing solutions to their challenges as opposed to seeing things through your eyes and as you said you mentioned that in the sporting context does that mean you know does that mean different things in different contexts and in, in many ways it does but in many ways it's still the same kind of stepping stones towards it how are you carrying yourself are you appreciating and, and going to conversations armed with the right knowledge and data with regards what they feel not just how you feel and there's the whole like and people talk about 360 feedback if you're looking at it on one axis and then if you look at it on the other axis you're kind of at that 720 feedback so it's a really a uh, and I feel that's probably where we're at in this whole situation. We're in that 360 axis, but we haven't probably fully accessed the, the other a- axis, if you like, in terms of you know the other degrees of knowledge, the other degrees of insights. And that's really exciting, I think, from a performance in any context, any arena point of view, be it as an individual, be it as a team, be it as an organization. And it's that whole journey now that I see, um, certainly working with clients and so on at the moment. Yeah. You mentioned their feedback. How important is that in corporate and sporting worlds sporting it's uh it's thankfully as i stand and you ask the question it's something that if we're not providing and i mean this from a teammate or in a sporting point of view if we're not providing that level of 
Johnny, I seen you did this. Brilliant. Johnny, I seen you did that. I don't think that's going to work because ultimately when we're in the the, the fine margin or the one percenter, the team will fall off the cliff as a result. So in sporting terms, it has to be quite I wouldn't say clinical, but at times it does have to be clinical. Other times you'd have the space to really approach it in different ways or package it and so on. In the corporate world, particularly now with COVID, it's a little bit more challenging. Um, again, I think it comes back to the appreciation of the why. Well, if we have that trust and that basis there, um, when I did a master a few years ago, I looked at trust and a thesis, and that's kind of the foundational piece for all all social exchanges and the building up of that trust, I think, is really critical and important. Do I trust you? Yes. Do you trust me? Yes. And that enables me then to be a little bit more open and we see this now with psychological safety and being vulnerable and kind of connecting with the the, the colleague or the, the team in that regard and the spirit of, you know what, if I provide this piece of critical information, it's going to be received as, as it's been intended, which is to provide you with some development opportunity or development space to kind of look at, etc. So I, I think if you apply feedback um, at times, it's sugar, it's going to it's going to give me something, some sort of a challenge, some piece of negativity. Whereas if the frame of what the way in which you're doing, it's in the spirit of, you know what, maybe he's right or maybe he's not right, but at least I'll take it on board or reflect and possibly then I can move on. So I think in some ways sports to conclude sports is kind of, I wouldn't say better, but a little bit more advanced with regards. They they have to give feedback to each other, whether it's packaged in the right way or not, can be debated. Mm. Whereas in corporate worlds, I still think it's really good or not so good. I don't think at times anyway, from what I've seen is that kind of, yeah, it's probably not, not that middle ground. It's kind of one or the other. So again, I think there's a good bit of journey to go on that. Yeah. I'm just making loads of notes here while you're chatting, but uh, I think like you're saying their trust, like if you have people's trust then that builds a strong culture within a team, if people trust each other. And then if you have that like positive culture where people trust each other, it becomes a lot easier to give that honest feedback. Absolutely. And again, I think it goes back to the spirit of the way in which it's intended. You know, when you look at the wider, you look at all these, if we had a flip chart or a white piece of paper behind us, we look at the the me versus the way. What's important in the me column is, okay, get myself right, get my performance, get my habits, etc. But then what's important in the we column is that you're actually giving up part of the part of yourself almost. Now, my, mine, my color isn't the same as Brian's color. So you be able, you should be able to bring yourself, your creativity, your skills, your language. You might be good at analytical. I might be, etc. So trying to find that blend, and that's why you hear a lot about them in terms of the culture. And sometimes thrown out in, you know, we'll do a course, or you know, culture is going to solve everything. But culture is it's very different in lots of spaces. Sometimes there's a there's a challenge or a bottleneck at the leadership level. Other times there's a challenge at the behavioural level, kind of, you know, with people that are at the middle management level or even below that again. So it's trying to really understand, well, what are we trying to achieve? What's the clarity on that? Do we have that vision? Then if you come back and then, well, what's the behaviours? What what does that mean for us in terms of playing English language? That means then I have to go to bed at seven o'clock, at 10 o'clock every night to get my rest. But what does that mean again? Does that mean then I have to have my day sorted? have all my conversations, do my mindfulness, etc. So I think it, there's no, I think this is where I get a little bit too passionate. There's no, there's no, I guess, you know, you can always step your way back a little bit more. So does that mean if I get up at 7 a.m. for mindfulness, that means I have to be in bed at 10 p.m. That means I have to have my food at 7 p.m. the night before. That means I have to have my work um, in order. And if you keep working your way all the way back, knowing where you're trying to get to and every you'd be standing with your two feet where we are now saying okay we're doing this for an hour then i'll go off and do whatever the piece is but you're always stepping towards where you're trying to get to in the individual space and then if you look at the other 19 to 20 of us on a team then that comes back to that trust again well i hope johnny then is doing more than i'm doing or hope at least he's at a similar level because ultimately if i'm given five percent and you're given three percent then the outcome is going to be four percent. You know, we, we both kind of had to had to trade off what we're doing there. Yeah, that masters um sound really interesting on trust. How and I think it's something that's so important in sports. But what are some things that can build trust between teammates? A fascinating space. And briefly, I looked at trust in a leader and the impact that has on performance. And when I was doing doing the research around it in terms of literature reviews and so on. 
what you quickly come across is that trust goes two ways. It's trust is outwards towards Brian, towards my leader. Do I trust as in it's going out, out of your psyche, out of your body? Then there's also felt trust. Do I feel trusted? And if I feel trusted, I'm more likely to bring myself to work. I'm more likely to feel empowered to say maybe that one piece of information that I think actually will solve this challenge, etc. So if you think of them two guys, that means then when you're applying yourself to whatever the situation is, you're always trying to build up that trust from a credibility point of view. So others trust you, but also then from their point of view, they're trying to do the same. They're trying to display behavior. So it's an interesting way of looking at it, but to answer your question directly, shared experiences and, and mm. more than likely outside of the formal, well, here's the business meeting or here's the five goals for the week out of sync conversations or out of sync formalities and uh, obviously we can't do it so much now in the social world etc but there is other ways that we can do it it's a little bit more impactful so shared experiences and those out of sync connections conversations are two things actually that came out of the the whole study if you like in terms of well if you tell me what this means in english well if you apply these two things or try to apply them in your world that will actually build the trust both felt trust and and, and the outward trust as i mentioned already yeah, the shared experience is so, so powerful, I think. And I remember a few years back, oh, I was playing rugby with a club back home and we went to the curve for a day, all of us, and do it like with a, an army sergeant doing like all these mad things like carrying logs through water and just mad stuff. And I didn't really get it at the time. And it's only recently looking back, like we won the league that year. And it's only recently looking back, like how powerful that was. And it's one day, but yeah, just all of us just buying in and going through that hardship. And like you say, it's away from the 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 training field or whatever. But um, I suppose winning as well is a huge, like it would help your team, for instance, shared experience. Like you have so many of those days that are heightened where it comes out with the result that you want. And that is that helps build trust for the next year. But what... I had that army one, but what would be some other things that teams could do a local rugby team or whatever underage team could do to have a shared experience? I think, and if you, and particularly around the rugby space, actually, um, AFL and, and other sports, but look at the Southern Hemisphere, massive on connection at that deeper level, mm. you know, and that can come in a few different guises. You can get really into, if the team's at a mature state or at a state where you feel they that appreciate you and get really into, well, you know, tell me a little bit about challenges you had. Tell me a little bit about, you know, where you came from, your tribe, your dreams, your ambitions, you know, and you can go really, and not that it's a bad thing in any way, in any ways, but the team has to be ready for it. So you can go into that space or you can just go into the space of, you know what, uh, Johnny, I know you play a lot of music, any chance, one point in time. So maybe trying to connect into not Johnny the player or Johnny the guy you see for two hours on a Tuesday night, I want to know a little bit more about, tell me a little bit about working with, with organizations and clients in behavior and leadership space. And then equally, the other guy or the other girl has um, an analytical mind and they're into AI and intelligence data or whatever the, the kind of examples yeah. that may be. And it's just, sh and you can be at that and nothing wrong with it, be at that surface level of sharing those insights, or you can go a little bit deeper, of course, with a, a facilitator and so on, a little bit deeper around, you know, the space of, God, yeah, I know, really understand that resonates with me. Or you know what, like playing for my own club, Nafina, or for Dublin, or whatever it may be. So many backgrounds. Some people from a little bit harder times in terms of their childhood. Some people maybe not so hard times. Some people with, um, you know, different types of colors. As I mentioned, some people with different types of interests. Some people that, you know, for them, going training uh, involves coming at, at six p.m. on a Tuesday leaving at 9 p.m. and that's more or less them done for others it's half four it's half five so you're trying to see and trying to blend i think the key point is that number one you get to share others um insights and experience but number two is you, you learn quite quickly that's no one way that this needs to be done an actual fact when you look at diversity of thought and cognitive diversity it is all in that space the more diversity the more thoughts the more perspectives the more experiences albeit in a controlled manner the better the team is forward with regards to their appreciation um, I think of each other and their backgrounds and, and, and their drivers. Yeah, and with connection, you mentioned the word earlier, um, but vulner being vulnerable, vulnerability, like showing that I think really 
connects people a lot quicker and a lot more but um i suppose at times it can be sport hasn't always been the space to for people to feel comfortable showing vulnerability definitely because i think if you look back on there's been a little bit of you know get on with it do your thing um front up um you know, I'm, I'm not really, I wouldn't say it was ever said, don't show us kind of your emotions, but at times it was sort of, you know, keep them yeah. to the side because we're here to kind of, we're here to, yeah. you know, play the game to get, you know, whereas at times, or sorry, even a lot more times now, it seems to be a lot, a lot more appreciated, you know, and there's many different clips online and videos and examples that you'll be able to provide, I'll be able to provide that when that person, that, that person was able to display vulnerability, when that piece of vulnerability was put into the right situation be it in a game be it in a training in a meeting whatever it is you'll actually see everybody really open up and really sort of lean into the conversation because i think there's a lot of layers to people that people just see that one little deeper layer in their context they lean in a little bit more and they're a little bit more so it's almost contagious in some ways and of course you don't want to you don't want to get too vulnerable and really get away from it but it, but it definitely if controlled in the right way can really kind of propel and harness and provide another and that's what we're looking for i guess in some ways around performance and people is another layer to what you do another aspect that you can appreciate in terms of your self-compassion but also that other people can appreciate so i guess when you look at it and break it all down there's so many different angles so many different latches and, and, and trap doors if you like that come off the back of the two yeah and mentioned as well like who you are and like knowing the person beyond the six to nine or whatever the outside the training session and it's something you mentioned the southern hemisphere as well there's a book um, it's on my list belonging from own eastwood but there's been a lot of chat in rugby recently about it and yeah just seeing people as who they are versus the the player do does your team the dubs do much work on that like you mentioned again like people come from some hardship or not so much or like we're all different but do your team do much work on that yeah i think i think and you can apply this to corporate settings people unable to bring their true selves to work or there's a mask or there's something that's mm. that's not allowing yeah. them to be their full selves and when you kind of really dig into that it's such an interesting space you know be it in sports or be it in corporate so why is that well you know what the team is a little bit, you know, I just can't connect with them or I don't feel like they know me. So if you step back from the the space a little bit, well, okay, well, the obvious one is you want, I want Brian, I want Johnny to bring their full sales or as best as possible to feel that, feel that level of connection. So what do we need to do? And in some ways you're doing a bit of an audit on the team. Well, is it a young team or an old team? Are they, in terms of their establishment, is it... Is it, um, you know, the start of the season, middle of the season, right in season? So you're sort of looking at the space, the environment as a whole, and then you're, then you're looking for those opportunities to, to introduce it in some ways. Well, how could I? And it doesn't always have to be formal. How could I get Johnny, unbeknownst to him, perhaps to, to lead um, a team meeting? Or, hmm. you know, maybe I'll, I'll give Johnny a bit of space on Saturday and two other guys or whatever it may be on Saturday to maybe tell us about a little bit more about themselves. So you're, you're trying to kind of see around the corner a little bit of, okay, I realize where the team is at. You know, Johnny could really benefit from having a little bit more autonomy or empowerment. So maybe I'll give him this little piece here. And then all of a sudden, three months down the road, you'll have a couple of social activities. And then you see that kind of the flowers starting to open a little bit of, okay, it's a little bit more bringing himself. So so I guess it's context dependent. I think it's critically important because ultimately if you have the shield on you, you know, you're, you're not allowed your shoulders to react, relax a little bit. And that uptight, I think, comes across with regards, okay, the conversation isn't as flowing. And like you have it in your head the whole time, particularly now I work with people in that space, unlocking that potential. And if they can just see or just find that one little, you know, and it mightn't be, it mightn't be a confidence or a belief thing. It might be, the space is wrong for them or it might be their approach is wrong, whatever it may be, but unlocking or tipping that one domino can really kind of see that beautiful set of actions occur behind it. I think that's kind of the space that we're all, myself included, all looking to achieve as much as possible is, I'm not saying everybody is stuck, but perhaps somebody is stuck here. Okay, well, have you looked over here? Have you talked to anyone about it? Who do you trust? Maybe it's a coach, maybe it's a colleague, maybe it's 
what you see now is a lot of, and you mentioned Owen Eastwood and belonging earlier on, doing a lot of work with England rugby, as, as as many other people like himself, and the value that's in that now in terms of not only coaching the coach, but having somebody kind of, you know, performance coach, or be a mindset coach, etc. And they're all quite... They're all quite um, important now in, in, in kind of not only a sporting arena, but I think in a corporate setting with regards to the importance of maybe coordinating and having the having the ability to stitch the the kind of tread through the, the right spaces at the right time with the person obviously leading from the front. Yeah, and I think that's a skill of a good leader. Like you mentioned there, things throughout a season or at different points in time versus I think a lot of people think of things like this as we'll do a meeting here and we'll try and do X, Y, Z and we'll get Johnny to stand up for five minutes and present this and then we'll get Tom to stand up and do this and then this and then this and then we've ticked off every box and then we're away with it for the year and then we're all connected, they're leaders, blah, blah, blah. But it's it really like you say, it's, and I think that's, yeah, the skill of a good leader to be able to pick times throughout a season where they can help bring someone bring someone up or help them open up more 100 percent. i think what jumps to mind for me there is elevation how can you just elevate it doesn't have to be elevate the whole system maybe it's just elevate one or two people over here and then you're trying to almost skill arm them with the skills and the knowledge and the capacity to kind of self-coach and self-teach well if i provide johnny with some level of insight some level of support some level of coaching with regards to performance in the performance space well you know what the biggest way in which this culture is going to be contagious is when Brian and Johnny are talking that Johnny almost leads Brian to that value. Mm-hmm. And then Brian and Tom are talking and Brian, Tom and Johnny are talking all of a sudden then it starts to explode and you see these bits of shoots. And then very quickly, yeah. if it's handled or if it's approached in the right way, the leader actually just falls to the back and the leader, and this is probably the blue sky thinking, but the leader ends up chasing because of so many spiraled ideas and so many kind of cross pollination of you know, aspects and insights, etc. The leader's going, oh, sure, I, I better have my game in order here because the lads are starting to, or the ladies or whatever it may be, are starting to take off here. I need to see around the corner again. And that's the job of the leader in my, in my mind is trying to see over the hedge consistently, trying to provide more stimulus at times, trying to put a spotlight right on that piece that you think if lads and ladies or whatever it may be, this person spends more time here, very quickly that will grow. So it's that kind of, you know, subtle and deft, deft touch of where's more spotlight, what needs more water, what needs a pause, what needs to be taken off, what needs to be pulled on. And you see it a lot now with them. Um, I know it probably started with Scott Robinson and Southern Hemisphere around teaming and visioning and storytelling. And it's probably come up here to the Northern Hemisphere a little bit, um, albeit not fully in Ireland, probably just yet. So... There's so many different ways, and that's probably maybe not even the best way in some ways to do it. Because what's around the corner? What's the next? You know, if you talk about maybe some of the the recent big areas of performance. You know, it started with purpose and really digging into that. Now it's starting to get into the art of leadership. Now it's starting to get into well, who's coaching the coach in terms of performance? Who's always? And now we're probably hopefully getting into the space of people are starting to invest a lot more time themselves. You know, for the much we spend on a cup of coffee you know maybe six or eight or ten or twelve quid a week for the price of a cup, couple of cups of coffee a week you can actually get support and services yeah. and, and people that can you know so hopefully we're going that way and that's again what probably makes it very exciting in terms of the space that it is if you want to learn more about mental skills and performance you can join the first 15 on the patreon and get extra podcasts and more content The link is in the show notes and it's 11 euro a month. This podcast is supported by you, the listener. Each month I put out four to five hours of podcasts. If you enjoy these conversations, get value from them and can afford four euro 50 a month, then please consider joining the supporters tier on Patreon. I would really appreciate that because I'm not working for a big company like most of the podcasts you listen to. It's just me. I do all the scheduling, research, interviews, editing myself. The Patreon link is in the show notes. Cheers. It's so interesting something you said there about like a leader kind of helping individuals and building up the individuals and then how that spirals. And then 
various end and then the leader it comes to a point because we hear a lot of you want the players running the team and that's something that's spoken a lot about but how does that work and then like what you just said there is it's those empowering and building up and helping the individuals and then like you say then all of a sudden you've the leader then needs to look at all these different 10 15 different ideas and then it's managing the group and kind of making sure that the group is going in the right direction towards the goal versus the leader constantly having to be the one who's who's getting people motivated who's driving the ship themselves they're more of a kind of a let's get this all this energy going just make sure it's all in the right direction no exactly and i think when you're when you say what you just said i play that back in a yeah there has to be a scaffold and has to be a framework and has to be that level of steering if you like unbeknownst mm. to the group as often as possible because if you're at the top of the class the whole time you're going now look over here now look over there now you know what jump over there and now cross that bridge over there it has to be quite obviously that bit of vision that direction but it, but it doesn't have to be and ideally you you do it from the back or you do it that Johnny actually didn't even realize his, he was looking towards the direction that he wanted to look in because, you know, there's something that just pulled him over there. If it's in a, you know, a sporting example, whatever it may be, it's it's certain type of drill or station or whatever that, that you know he's going to gravitate towards. And all of a sudden then he's in the thick of it and all of a sudden there's two or three lads around and he's showing some different skill or some, some um, you know, line break or whatever it may be in the context or whatever it may be in the corporate world. So, I think you're dead right. It's trying to provide that scaffold, but then within that, you know, you can cross, you can go up, you can go down, you can come mm. back, you can have your say, etc. I think the important thing to conclude this point from my side is, yeah, you have this scaffold, but it's not rigid. I know when you think about building the world's highest towers or buildings, you know, the state is able to slide over and back and forth to a certain level of degrees because they know and certain areas that have earthquakes and so on, they have to be able to withstand that level of kind of shaking, et cetera. And I think that's what's something similar. You're trying to obviously apply steel to what you're doing, but not steel that's so rigid that it's only this way. You want to nearly say, this is the steel we have now, but feel free to spray paint it, feel free to chip away at that and put in that bolt there and attach this you know, piece of rope. To so and that's the way I think of it a little bit, that when you mentioned what you just mentioned there, it's how can you continuously and consistently because ultimately, I think having success once or over a period of time in, in a short space is brilliant, but you want to do that back to back and then back to back to back and then back to back. And you want to try and sustain it, I guess. And that's the that's the beauty of the whole space is that what worked yesterday and last week and last year probably won't work next week, next month and kind of next year. So you're always trying to chase and pull the good stuff with you, but at the same time, realize and have an open mind in this and curiosity to know there's more and um, to know to connect with people like yourself to know the conversations you have somebody has what you're looking for you just have to go and find the conversation and then as you said hopefully two worlds colliding actually end up in the best world and something you ever even thought of realize which which is the beauty of it too yeah and it's a great point you made about the not being so rigid and because play pe players are people and like different characters and you have to have that flexibility around, you know, someone might just do something that's a little bit whatever, but, you know, just you have to have that, like you say, that flexibility. And one other thing you mentioned a bit earlier was about the kind of life stages of a team or you mentioned like a mature team. Um, it seemed, and all the best teams is they, they try not to, like say an early stage mature and they try not to go beyond that. And Ferguson was brilliant at it when, players are getting a little bit old constantly just bringing in new players younger 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 and that's something else once again with the dubs like i remember when you won or even just before you went in say 2011 it was like this is a the best team but then all of a sudden it was like there's five or seven new players and then there's more new players and more young lads and it's constantly just like churning out different players and it doesn't get to that late stage where it's too old you know the team is too old and how do you stay in that team throughout or how is there anything that has, has helped you to to stay in it 
I think for me, it's probably just always trying to have that level of groundedness or humility to know that, you know, when you hear about Johnny Sexton, uh, sorry, Johnny Wilkinson, should I say, talking about once that final whistle went in the World Cup final, somebody's been building towards something about Australia. Mm. That time, so many years ago, he said already <laughs> the, the, the hill was on the decline towards, yeah. you know, the the next. And like, in some ways, you know, a lot of people say, geez, it's really an enjoy. It's really you get into that space. And in other ways, you're going, well, that's the nature of a competitive athlete in some ways that, okay, you don't have to be too cold and too clinical and move on straight away. You certainly want to appreciate it because those moments don't come around often. But at the same time, at a point in time, whatever that point is for you as an athlete, you know, you literally know when you're back in the dressing room, you take the jersey off your back, you put it back into the black bag. And that's the mindset I always had was irrespective of if you played a game in January or June or August or September, whatever it may be in our case, that always you had the mindset of once that thing comes off your back, you're back down to ground zero. How do you get back up that hill again? And not just get back up the hill or get to the top. How do you get there with something different in your toolbox, with a different mindset, with a different technique to climb, with a different way to appreciate it's not just me trying to get up there. How do I pull somebody else? How do I elevate? You know, I think it's trying to constantly turn that wheel around, you know, and we talked a little bit around this. I mentioned it certainly earlier on around curiosity. It's going away in the off season. It's speaking to people like yourself, visiting different environments, you know, books and challenging yourself, putting, your spa- putting yourself in spaces that I'm probably not supposed to be here, but you know what? I'm kind of out on treading water a little bit, but you know what? I'll be a better swimmer because yeah. of it. And, you know, look, again, I think these spaces, you know, you need to give yourself space and disconnect from the whole thing. I think that's important as well in terms of having that appreciation. Um, but, yeah, that's probably the main thing for me is trying to, you know, and have, you know, I've just finished Barack Obama's book and started another one there, trying the whole time to have something in your hand, something to hand, something lined up, some article. You know, there's so much access to knowledge, probably too much, unfortunately, to get through everything, so much access and you'll generally find that good people will come back to you. And that could be anyone from Scott Robertson to Rona Gara to um, um, uh, Saracen's Rugby, whatever it may be, people yeah. will come back to you and you can connect. And, you know, they'll probably take just as much value or insight to what you have to offer and your exposure and experiences versus then hopefully what you can get from it. And as you mentioned earlier on, those two worlds colliding, you know, all of a sudden then you're, you're 1% better and all of a sudden then what you did last January, I certainly wouldn't do it that way this January, but you know what, I'll turn the dial three degrees and I'll attack it in that way. And that's what Scott Robertson said worked really well and all of a sudden then you see a bit of gain from that. So trying to have that kind of what's next, what's around the corner and not in a way from my point of view that that kind of pulls you down or weighs you down and really kind of leaning into it, going forward, exciting glass is half empty what's more how can i get better how can i add more value and look that's just something that's worked for me i think a lot of the say the so the dublin uh, players would have that level of appreciation um in terms of you know what else they can do and more value to add but when you look at it in a say a corporate or a, a business sense as well i think there's a really rich set of learning points and a really rich space for people to actually start exploring okay how can i bring some of that sporting world and that sporting kind of capacity to grow into my world. And, you know, they don't have to play sports, don't have to like sports. It's a performance in your arena, whatever that looks like. I think a lot of the same kind of principles apply in terms of reaching your capacity to to perform at whatever the level is or whatever the context that you're involved with. Yeah, that's so powerful what you say about taking the jersey off and then finding the next hill to, to climb. And... Another one that came to mind when you mentioned Johnny Wilkinson, like he went through very tough mental health issues. And Tyson Fury said that his whole life he wanted to become the heavyweight world champion and beat Vladimir Klitschko. And he said that when the when his hand was raised, he was already depressed. And he was already, mm-hmm. because he had nothing else, he's like, well, that's it. And and I'm sure people know about his story. I know your time is mm-hmm. tight, but um, just one other thing I'd like to ask you about. Would it, if, would you feel that your role within the team and this is a building back to leadership is somewhat of like being a physical presence like you're a defender you're a mar- man marking people and Gaelic is a very physical sport and would you feel like it's 
an onus on you to be a bit of an enforcer to like set a tone physically because I'm just thinking back to rugby and it's a huge part of that there are players in that that by people talk about it all the time rugby making a big hit making a big carry that then lifts the whole team and that then gets everyone going would you feel that that kind of ties in a bit with how you play yeah certainly I think it's probably something that it's probably not something I you know, too cognizant of in terms of, you know, winning a collision, as you might call it in rugby, or winning the the contact or whatever it may be. But it's probably kind of who I am at heart and kind of, you know, in some ways, you know, away from the sporting pitch, I'm, I'm a little bit quieter. Hopefully I'm able to converse with people. I wouldn't be too, you know, rash or irrational, where sometimes in games, you know, it's a really fine line. I find that it's walking a tightrope position I play is the last, essentially last player before they reach the goal. So, you know, in some ways it's like, well, if I'm leaning into this situation, you know, quite obviously in a control as best as possible, I'm going to lean into it. I'm going to provide that level of, you know, you know, kind of contact, et cetera. Now equally you have to, there's times we have to stand off and you have to time it, et cetera. But I think what you're mentioning is the impact or do I feel in some ways it provides a greater team impact? No is probably the answer with regards to how I think of it. In saying that, when you see other people do it on a sports pitch or winning a big collision or getting a big turnover or getting over the ball in rugby and winning that, you kind of see the kind of whole energy of the team, people rushing towards that person in rugby especially um, and kind of the energy boost that it gives. So I think it's definitely, a, you know, at that deeper level, etc. there's definitely a lot of gains to it. Um, and look, that's what it is. And I think you mentioned earlier on influence. What does influence look like? Well, you know what? I like the contact a little bit more. Okay, once you do it in a controlled manner, knock yourself out, feel free to do so. Well, you know what, I'm I'm fast and I can get around people. Well, you know what, that gives me energy. And I think it, that's probably what we're saying a lot of this conversation is, well, what's good about you? What's authentic? You know, there's no point in me trying to win a collision if, you know what, I'm actually much better at, you know, um, the tackle technique and that's my forte, et cetera. So what, what is it for you that's, that's your kind of natural skill and your natural ability. Okay, well, that's fine. Let's nurture that and let's let's give you that opportunity. And thankfully, over the years, albeit I need to call out, I've missed the line, I've stepped over the edge, missed that point I was going for. But you know what? I'd rather go for it, um, go for the miss and miss with a way in a way that you know what that was the right thing for me to do because I've practiced so much, I've thought about it. It's not a rash decision, albeit at times it could come across. It's thoughtful. It's in a way that I feel in that moment in time. And sometimes you know yourself, it's the wrong decision when you look back at the TV screen, but in yeah. the time, the, the milliseconds you have, it's the right thing to do, you know? Yeah. Thanks so much for your time, Johnny. Greatly appreciate it. Before you go, just let people know about MB Unrivaled, where they can find you and what you're doing there. Yeah, well, Be Unrivaled, it's something that we mentioned right back at the very start. It's something that I always had a passion for, people, performance, no matter the arena, I just happen to uh, thankfully have a, a long um, kind of experience in the elite sports side of things. So it's really just helping and supporting people, teams, organizations, with regards, you know, the coaching side of things, the mindset side of things, and essentially how in your performance context can you not only reach whatever that level and capacity is, but how can you reach it knowing the clues that got you there? So in other words, how can you sustain it? So I guess I'm uh, lucky enough to do a lot of work in that area. Um, over the last little while in particular um, on social media it's being rival Twitter and, and Instagram always really happy to connect in with people um, very cognizant that whatever I know it's a slight sliver of the overall pie so um, love having these conversations of helping people teams organisations and said I think a lot of the same clues and principles equally apply from, from my experience in sports um, academia and in applied setting as well brilliant thanks a million Johnny no problem at all. Hope you enjoyed the chat. If you did, would you please share it on social media and send it on to some friends? Would be really grateful for that and I'm sure they would too. Johnny's a wealth of knowledge and I certainly learned a lot from that conversation myself. I thought it was brilliant how he talked about when you get in after a game and you take the jersey off your back that you have to look for the next hill to climb, the next challenge to pursue and start focusing on how you can get better. 
I think that this is so important for people to understand and it's something that I wish I knew when I was younger. It's so brilliant for your mental health to be focused on achieving a goal or a challenge of which you have a strong why. So for Johnny winning All-Ireland, for you it could be winning the cup or whatever it is. And it's actually so important for us because when we have this, we then have purpose to our days. Then we can start to build up habits and do things that will move us towards achieving that goal and becoming that person. And day to day, when you're doing those things, you feel good about yourself when you're striving towards that goal and putting in the work. It improves your self-esteem and your self-worth because you'll see yourself as someone who is working hard and who's to be respected. Whereas if you say, I'm going to start going to the gym or I'm going to start studying or I'm going to start reading or whatever it is and you don't do those things you'll start to lose respect for yourself and you'll start to feel shitty about yourself I'm sure we've all been there before and you'll kind of see yourself as worthless because you'll know that your word doesn't mean anything and that you can't even do the simple things that you say you're going to do like Johnny with finding a new hill after every season or maybe each game in itself is a mini hill, you have to understand that you never make it, you never arrive, you never get to a point where you're like, ah, that's it now, I've done it all, I'll just sit back and do nothing now, everything's done. I used to kind of think that way. I wasn't good at putting the past in the past and finding a new hill to climb after, say, a season or after something that I was working towards. I wasn't good at quickly focusing on a new challenge and if you don't have that and you don't have that challenge in front of you to get after each day you'll start to feel shitty and could get depressed i mentioned the tyson fury example and yeah i've experienced this kind of thing myself the vast majority of my life i've been striving to achieve things but there were times in recent years where i stopped and then you just become rudderless and you start floating and it's just not good. This is why I've kind of realized that you see people like Warren Buffett continuing to work into his 90s. He doesn't need the money and he doesn't seem at all egotistical, but you just need something to challenge you, something to pursue. And that could be physical or mental. And then just from the sporting point of view, I remember recently watching Richie McCaw doing this like crazy pursuit I'm gonna get the details wrong but it's like a three-day thing where like you climb over mountains and canoe across massive lakes and just do loads of mad stuff and he's a great example of someone who's literally done it all like captained teams to World Cups and uh, you just can't stop you just need to find the next one and I've heard Khabib talk about it he's like they said to him, what will you do after you retire? And he goes, train. And then they're like, well, what are you training for? He's like, I'm training for life and I'm going to coach and I'm going to, you know, and he just, he's all in on that then, on his coaching and his training and he continues his training. Tyson Fury said the same thing, like he's going to keep training after he retires. We just, we always need to have that challenge in front of us. And it doesn't have to be a massive thing. Like for you, it could be running a 10K or a half marathon or something you could have that focus and then you start building up to that or you could say hey, I'm going to learn how to juggle or knit or read that book I've been saying I'm going to within the next month whatever it is something that you just want to do and then go for it and just commit to it if you're a parent of an ambitious player and would like to help them with the mental side of the game help them become more confident in themselves and have more self-belief I do one-on-one -on -one mentoring you can see the details in the Patreon, which is in the show notes. If this sounds like something you might be interested in and want to chat about it, send me a DM on Instagram at offfieldrugby or you can send me an email on offfieldrugby at gmail.com. Would love to chat. Please take 30 seconds now to leave a rating and a review on Apple Podcasts. Just letting me know what you liked about this chat because... It's really good for me to know what kind of things you're enjoying about the pod and ratings and reviews also help other people find the podcast.
If you're interested in mental skills and performance, you can follow me on Instagram at offfieldrugby. I share content around that there. Thanks, Emil, for listening in today. Have a good one. Cheers.